This is the Mutual Audio Network. Shut up and listen. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor, Episode 1. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Previously on Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. I'll be out on the street in a week if I can't get some scratch together. I've been boxing. You don't think I got sailors coming up to me every day asking about jobs? And most of them ain't felons. Got a simp here with me being released to your recognizances. Name a whiff Taxwind says here. Your only brother, according to the paperwork. I, I can't take care of no simp. Listen, whiff, I, I gotta fight real quick. That's my brother up there. Hey, Simp, do you box too? Knock that off. What are you doing, bruv? Get back in the ring, you daffy clod hopper. You cost me that match, you stupid bastard. Look, Mitzi, the pigeon's gonna fly. What'd you say? Ah, what do we have here? A couple of violent offenders? I didn't mean to cause no trouble. Now stay the hell away from me. I am Monsieur Tangier, but we really need security aboard the ship. You will be perfect. Oh, and of course your lack-brained brother will come along too. I give in. Just get me the hell out of here. The largest and most extravagant airship ever manufactured. The Atlantean. Dear listeners, I have a confession. There was a time in my life when I thought no one could please me like Carver Cranebottom. Ugh. Now, well, now I can't even stand the taste of his name in my mouth. All the k-k-k that harsh cuss out. Hmm? What? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I got it, Courtney. All the cuss sounds are peaking my audio. I freaking know, Courtney. Courtney. Your name fits right in with that has-been, doesn't it? Courtney Carver Crane Bottom. Yeah, I'm stopping now. Hey, you work for me, goddammit. Don't you ever forget that. Where was I? Ah, yes, my new hero. The conqueror of the clouds. The headmaster of the heavens. Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. Rough Tax Wind Sky Sailor is brought to you by Johnny Waif's Bay Window Urchin Repellent. Tired of society's little burdens smudging your windows with their filthy, salivating mouths and hungry, half-crazed eyes just as your family sits down to a succulent four-course dinner? Spray a little Johnny Waif on your sill every morning and be smudge, guilt, and ragamuffin-free all the way to Nana's Apple Pie. Make mine a la mode, Nana! 
Previously, a promise. A new start with old blood. Bruffed with Taxwood, ascending from the mires of the dockyard drudgery to an undared height. No more promises of pugilistic pay dirt, nor canine crazed captains, nor dirty, dim witted dullards dredging the detritus of days gone by. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of alliteration. Courtney, yeah, hey, can you talk to them about this? You know, I know it's all about coloring the mood and setting the scene, but it's freaking ridiculous. Anyway, let's see. Uh, It goes on like this. Slimy strangers, sneaky slip-away, moody mix, murderous mutterings, runaway relations, rambunctious rebel... Who wrote this one? Oh. Oh, right. Figures. Let's see. Oh, 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 here we are. Bruff and Whiff return to the Elder Brothers' shack in Shantytown to prepare for their new adventure aboard the great airship Atlantean. The next morning before sunrise. Morning, Bruff. Sleep okay, brother? Not actually. You snore. Bad. (laughs) Yeah, you're funny, Bruff. I mean, brother. I mean... There's nothing funny about missing shut-eye. Especially before a day like we're about to have. Now shut up and let me have a read of the old paper before we get breakfast. I love breakfast, Bruff. I really do. That's fine. Uh, Let's see. Criminy, Dutch. Look here. Euro-terrorist storm Eiffel Tower? Seize docked blimps and escape. What's the world coming to? Is it coming to breakfast? What are you, a circus clown? Says these Euro jerks call themselves Europa's Horn. What a bunch of cuckoos. Hey, Whiff, I bet you'd fit right in. (laughs) I love breakfast, bruv. Yeah, yeah, I got it. All right, I'll fry up some eggs. You get the water boiling for coffee. Sure thing, bruv. I'll get the water boiling. Say, how do I do that? You mean you didn't get the fire going? What a useless scamp you are. Yeah, I'll get some coal shoveled in. You get the eggs in the pan. Like this? Jesus, cat's pajamas. What are you trying to do? Ruin our breakfast? Gosh, I hope not. I love breakfast, bruv. I mean, brother. I mean, bruv. Well, now we ain't got nothing to eat except this lonely piece of bread between us. Say, where's the bread? It's real good, bruv. Oh, perfect. Now, 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 what am I supposed to eat? I made some porridge before you got up. See? Oh, well, now that's not so bad, then, is it? <laughs> oh. Say, Whiff, what's in this porridge anyway? Well, I started with a couple handfuls of that stuff that's in the corners of the pantry. Stuff in the corners of the pantry? You mean poverty dust? Yeah, I guess so. Some of it had little brown pebbles in it. Little brown pebbles? You mean rat scat? Yeah, I guess so. And I mixed it with that jar of goop under the sink. Jar of goop under the sink? You mean my earwax savings? Yeah, I guess so. It didn't sound like earwax. Anyway, it was a little thick, so I loosened it up with the water in that little trench by the street. Water in that little trench by the street? You mean slum juice? It smelled a little fuller than slum juice. Oh, well, that probably means Mrs. Verizniak, who lives three lean-tos up gutter, had dropsy diarrhea with her morning mucus. If you say so. Hey, whiff. Yeah, bruv? (laughs) Bruff barfed. Boy, bruff brutally barfed. He barfed... Broadly, his brother's botulistic breakfast. Hey, wait a minute. Courtney? Yeah, it's happening again. 
Listen, I appreciate alliteration as a device. I really do, but in moderation. All right, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, he whisked whiff away wordlessly whilst wiping the... You know what? Nah. No, nope, this ain't happening. Let's see how they do without narration for a little bit. <clears throat> hey, Courtney, do we have any of that cheese? No, no, no. Yeah, the one with the with the holes in it. Yeah, please. Well, so, here we are at a new location. Completely different from the last location. It's, um... Well, well, I guess I could just uh, describe it. It's uh, a building, kind of churchy, I guess, and uh, there are people in it. Uh, hey, bruv, who are you talking to? Well, it's, it's just, you know, I, I don't normally do this part. What part? Oh, yeah, real easy for you to play dumb on account of you being the dumb one. Oh, it's just pathetic. Fine. Bruff and Whiff arrived at the Mother of Mercy's home for the weak and unbaptized. A ferocious, great-breasted woman sat before them. Great-breasted in the sense of quantity, not quality. Though I'm not saying bountiful breasts cannot be excellent breasts. They most certainly can be. But, well, this woman was a nun. Maybe I should have mentioned that before launching into a description of her breasts. Yes, she was a nun, and her name was Sister Mary Severus. Now, Mr. Toxwind, how can we help you today? My cuckoo brother blew the booby hatch, and now he's squeezing to bust my latest dough train out of Hoboville. Come again? Why? Can't you take care of us now? What are you saying? My brother here. See him? Say hello, Whiff. Hello, Whiff. Ugh, I hate that joke. What do you want from me? Who are you talking to? Never mind. I I got a new job, and this numbskull should have ruined it. I need you to take him in. Your brother, you say? That's what they tell me. I don't see the resemblance, personally. Hello, Whiff. Shut it, dummy. I figure you nuns will take good care of him, right? On account of Jesus and all? I cannot speak for Jesus. (laughs) Can you get someone who can? (laughs) I'm just teasing. Of course you can't. But seriously, sister, I got till sunup to get this loony off my hands. Mr. Taxwin, this is a place for the destitute, those on their last legs. And those with no legs at all. I saw that one fellow come in here with the wheelie cart or whatever you call it. Mr. Taxwind, I really am at a loss. In all my years, I have never encountered someone so selfish, so callous that he would abandon his own blood just at the moment he is needed most. How do you know what he needs? Hello, whiff. Ah, just forget it. You've wasted enough of my time already. It's nearly dawn and I gotta be across town to start my shift. I'll never make it in time. Let's go, you nut. I'm not a nut. I'm a whiff. Thanks for nothing, mother, sister, puncher-kisser. You are a disgrace. Oh, just wait till Jesus hears about this. He already knows. Well, good for him. Bruff hastily pulled his brother out the front doors of the Mother of Mercy's home for the weak and unbaptized, just as a sleek black peppy zeppy pulled up. Piloting it was none other than Mr. Tangier, dressed up in the sharpest black suit Bruff had ever seen. You're late. How did you... Get in. Mr. Tangier took the brothers on a breakneck ride as the sun edged over the city skyline. Tangier, I don't get it. H- how did you know what we was up to? What would you have done had I not arrived? You would have missed the launch? Missed your only prospect? I know this looks bad, but I was just trying to unload this nitwit. I, I-, I mean, I... Look, I can't do him no good. And he can't do me no good. I don't know how to take care of a guy like him. And he sure as hell don't know how to take care of himself. 
I figured it'd be better for both of us. I am a good worker, though. I'll work hard for you, you'll see. You would not be working at all had I not come to retrieve you. Mr. Tanya, we're riding in a blimp. This is a Peppy Zeppi with Tuscan Talon Model Z. It's fast. Yeah, sure is. Uh, say, Tangier, can you slow down? I'm, I'm feeling a little... Ugh. But Mr. Tangier did not slow down. In fact, he leaned on the throttle, pulled back on the stick, and brought the tiny airship hurtling skyward. As the ship flew past story after story of the passing buildings, Ruff leaned out the porthole and retched once more. Hey, this is fun! Mr. Taxwin, you will have to get used to such elevations for your time aboard the Atlantean. She will travel much, much higher than my tiny Zeppelin could take her. All right, I'll be... I'll be fine. Holy Moses, I'm running on empty. I'll be puking out my pocket lining soon. soon. It'll be okay, Bluff. With patted Bruff on the back gently with his delicate bird-bowed hands. But instead of batting his brother away, Bruff soon found himself regaining control over his riotous stomach. Uh, all right, with that's, that's fine. Okay, so, uh, what's next, Tangier? You will be briefed by the head of security when we arrive. We're nearly there, see? Where's all the people? The ship does not launch for another several hours. But you said dawn. And look where that got us. Come along. Mr. Tangier landed his peppy zeppi on the flat deck of the rooftop. A gangway had been built some hundred yards out straight into the sky, where it connected to the mighty airship Atlantean. God, Zooks! All the passengers gotta walk out on that rickety strip to board her? Don't be cretinous. Get moving. Applesauce and gravy, I, I, I don't know about this. It's okay, Bruff. I'll help you. Bruff watched as his brother's thin fingers reached out and cupped themselves around his own shaking hands. Whiff put his other arm around Bruff and helped him walk delicately onto the gangway that swayed in the morning sky. Whiff comforted him quietly, almost motherly and Bruff found himself harnessing the gentle reassurance and increasing his pace. Soon enough, the brothers stepped off the gangway and onto the solid decking of the Atlantean. When they turned to look behind them, Mr. Tangier was nowhere to be seen. That old Tangier is about the kookiest creep I ever did meet. Say, thanks, Whiff. You can let go of me now. You were scared, Bruff. No, I was just, uh... (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway... Thanks again. You're welcome, Bruff. Bruff? Bruff Taxwind, is it? A very old man in a faded gray uniform came hobbling toward the pair. Where his left hand should have been shone a dollar hook like the end of a shepherd's crook. He wore an eye patch over his right eye and an impressive thick glass lens over his left that stayed in place by some strange rigging that disappeared into the mess of gray hair upon his head. That's right, I'm Bruff Taxwind. What's the rumpus? What's that? What's the poop? Who the what? <laughs> Bruff said poop. What do you want, Grandpa? He's our Grandpa? Whiff, will you knock it off? Whiff? Whiff Taxwind, is it? Listen, old-timer, why don't you cut to the chase? Why are you so eager to meet us? My name is Colonel Fable G. Lexington, and I'm your overseer. And if you speak to me in that tone again, I'll fling you from the gunnels as we pass through a thunderhead. 
You need not fear of shattering upon the surface of our fair world, for you will be electrified to nothing but vapor, just a faint stink of burning, and then nothing at all. Non-existence, a memory, and only one of those who have the mispleasure of your acquaintance. Your life is meaningless. Oh, well, uh, sorry about the tardiness, Colonel. It won't happen again. Whiff, you see, he... He's a fine young man. How do, sailor? Bruff. He's like an old pirate. All right, Whiff, let go of his hook. He needs that. He's got an eye patch and everything. Hey, Bruff. Whiff, he's our boss. Now quit it. Do you have a peg leg, too? I'm sorry, Colonel. Shut it. Yes, sir. I do not have a peg leg, young man. I have two. See? Both carved from pine. Can I touch it? Whiff. I said shut it. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sweet lad. Wow. Can I draw on it with my fountain pen? What? Let's see. Where did you get a fountain pen? Tax win. Yes, sir. Who, me? No, not you, you sweet ginger breathed angel. Go ahead. What What would you like to draw? Um, an elephant? An elephant would be a fine thing to draw. Let's see it. So Whiff scribbled childish drawings on Colonel Fable G. Lexington's two wooden legs, and the old grandsire cooed in delight with each indiscernible image. Bruff shifted from foot to foot, awaiting further instructions, when suddenly the deck shifted beneath his feet, and the entire monstrous ship began to float away from the building. Whoa, what's going on? Are we launching already? We're off to pick up the passengers. Do you think it looks like a lion? I don't like its ears. I I think I can do better. Passengers? You'll have to try the ears next time, dear heart. We've got to get to work now. Yes, passengers, you incomprehensible rascal. We docked up here to load crew and precious cargo. The passengers and baggage will board at the airfield. You don't think we'd make everybody walk that skinny gangway? Say, I, I ain't feeling so good. Hold it together and listen to what I have to tell you. This will be all the mollycoddling I intend to engage you in. Your primary duty is security, though I am not entirely sure why. Tangier has his reasons and I do not question them, nor should you. We are transporting precious cargo from the famed British Museum. You and your brother are charged with guarding it. You will work alternating shifts stationed down in the hold with the cargo until it is returned safely to its home in London. There are also a great many dignitaries and holier-than-thous who will be wearing their own brand of precious cargo on their personages. Whoever is not in the hold is to be on patrol to ensure the safety of these guests. They are many of them, after all, financing this trip. The Atlantean is the largest airship in the history of mankind. We are aware this might make her a target for sky pirates and their ilk, so be wary. Say, Colonel, uh, you, you, you think maybe them Euro-terror nutcases? Uh, uh, what do you call uh, uh, a rhino's horn or something? Those Eiffel Tower wackos, you, you think they'll be out for the old Atlantean? You have been swindled by the Hurstian sensationalism of today's yellow journalism, Taxwind. Europa's horn has no interest in the flight of the Atlantean. They're too busy trying to assassinate barons and blowing up parliament buildings. As if their pathetic nation-states were not already a handful of fragile beads, scattering without tether, awash in a sea of ice. Now who will take the first shift? I... uh, I just... uh, Oh, brother. Yes, brother? With it is, then. You will take the first shift, my boy. I love ships. Look out, I'm gonna spill... 
Haven't gotten your sky legs yet, have you? No worries. He always throws up when we're out flying, Uncle Fable. What a sweet and caring young man you are. I wish you were my own brother. But he was torn apart by Union artillery the day General Chester Mark Livermore stormed Squibb's wood. I myself was piloting a reconnaissance balloon some 600 miles north for General Lee himself, but if I were there with him, I would have sang him a song, perhaps. A distraction to help him forget what we truly are. Limp with inconsequence. Damn it, Taxwin, that's enough. You'll conquer this hydrophobia now or never at all. And with that, Colonel Fable G. Lexington used his hook to loop a nearby coil of rope around Bruff's ankle, then used his good hand, as good as that gnarled mitt of hardened flesh could be, to grab hold of Bruff's shoulder and promptly flung the vomitous man over the side of the ship where he dangled from the rope like a spastic marionette. That should cure him. But it didn't cure him. It did cause him to scream uncontrollably as the Atlantean made its way to the airfield, where droves of passengers were waiting to board. Come on now, Taxwin. Get that hydrophobia out of your system. We'll be landing soon. What's Prof doing down there? He's taking some medicine, darling fellow. Some medicine he better swallow before we have to land. (sighs) Now we've got to get you below. Sanderson? Aye, aye, sir. Take Whiffia down to the British Museum hold. His first shift will begin as soon as we start boarding. Aye, aye, sir. Sanderson wasn't there the whole time, you know. He was he was just passing by. Like, you know those stock background sailor guys who just kind of walk around the deck, maybe carrying a crate or wrapping up a length of rope, showing off a well-placed forearm tattoo? I, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just, I just don't want you to think I was being negligent. I mean, of course there's other people milling around. It's the freaking biggest airship in the history of the freaking world. What's it going to have, a crew of three? Oh, I don't know, Courtney. Maybe it... Hey, hey, Courtney, don't you laugh at me. <laughs> Courtney, you are on thin ice, my friend. I am very good at my job. So don't think because your uncle used to take people on a f***ing hot air balloon rides in the summer that you can... Anyway, yeah, yeah. Sanderson took Whiff away as instructed. Tangier will toast my stones if any passengers get spooked by all that caterwauling. All right, that's enough. Up you come. Colonel Fable Chief Lexington hauled Bruff off and shook up his head in disgust as he puke-stained tacks when crumpled at his... <sighs> you know, I, I... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know, I... I'm sorry, but I just have to say it really pisses me off when you laugh at me like that, Courtney. You know I'm sensitive about being good enough to be the narrator for this show, and it just... It hurts. You know? Like, I... I I have to work really hard to keep this thing going, and you, you know, you just show up, and you're the whiz kid. You're really good at what you do, and we're all... Hey, it's the truth, right? You're doing outstanding work, and so when I miss a character in an intro or don't get the setup for a joke and you laugh at me, I know you could do my job, okay? We all know that. No, stop. It, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just... I have inferiority issues, and, you know, no, it's fine. I'm fine. Are we okay? Okay. Okay. 
Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Hey. Hey, look at me. I love you. Bruff, his sky legs still not fully formed, but grateful for having finally docked, watched shakily as thousands of passengers boarded the Atlantean. Men and women of all classes and backgrounds stormed the gangways, children riding the shoulders of their fathers, fathers riding the shoulders of a group of orphaned children, old women hobbling precariously with luggage stacked upon their backs, dainty aristocrats with their own personal old women hired with the expressed purpose of hobbling precariously with luggage stacked upon their backs. These pack crones, by the way, were called Stadababalama Mamas, and they were horribly mistreated until a state law was passed forbidding grandmotherly portering services of any kind. Bruff paced from bow to stern, a journey that took well over an hour, and still more people flooded the colossal vessel. By midday, the crowd aboard was more or less settled, while the crowd still covering the airfield, spectators all awaited that fated moment. Suddenly, a brass band struck up. The great blades of the turbines began to whirl. Hats were removed and waved furiously on both sides. Tears were shed, and cheers erupted as the mighty airship cast off its moorings and ascended skyward. Bruff steadied himself on the starboard rail at the top deck and watched the world sink away below him. His stomach fought to wretch, but his mind soothed it. This is the start of something new, he said, and he was right. Later that evening, as the Atlantic Ocean's slaty froth spread farther and farther beneath them, Bruff went below to relieve Whiff of his first shift, only to discover his brother was nowhere to be found. Rather than face the wrath of Colonel Fablechee Lexington, Bruff began searching on his own. Soon the sun would be setting, and the starry sky ball would be held, a celebratory event for only the fanciest of the Atlantean's passengers. Bruff made his way back to the top deck, where he encountered a well-dressed fellow and his dustier compatriot. Evening, gentlemen. Evening, old stuff. Say, you wouldn't be eager to enter a sporting wager now, would you? How's that, uh, sir? Horse Commons, how do you do? I run a couple or ten steel mills down on the filthy surface. This sky stuff is the way of the future, though. We'll have to figure out how to lift my blast furnaces into the cloud before they're crowded with whores and finished sailors like the rest of that dirt farm. Let's get on with it. Don't mind this crusty limey. He's sore for losing all his biscuit allowance to me. I'll get it, Bach. The hell you will, you runny-nosed tea drinker. What do you say, sport? Went in on the wager? This crumpet-thumping milksop is down quadruple or nothing, so the pot will be thick. No outside bets. Say, who made you Lord God, you weed-necked turkey vulture? Quite all right, Mr. Commons. I'm not a betting man myself. Call me horse, old stone face. Everyone else does. Sure thing, horse. Say, have either of you fellas seen... We're gonna do this a walk. Now, now, chum, if you won't pay, I'll kindly ask you at least play witness to our wager. This weasel-faced child strangler is likely to spit blood if we tarry any longer. Okay, but I'd like to ask you... Yeah, yeah, after. Let's go. Gentlemen, the wager is simple enough. Will the simpleton try to fly like a bird or swim like a fish when thrown overboard? Stu? Lou? Horse Commons lifted his hand, and two muscle associates emerged from a nearby cabin with none other than whiff taxwind in tow. They swiftly hoisted Whiff up and swung him with great force over the rail and into the reddening sky. Without another thought, Bruff scooped up a nearby length of rope, spun it around his ankle, and leaped off the ship and after his falling brother. 
Will Bruff manage to save his dead weight, brother? What thrilling adventures await them in the clouds? Who makes a wager on the thrashing limb movements of a falling simpleton? Find out next time on Bruff Taxwind Sky Sailor. Rough Taxwind Sky Sailor is brought to you by bananas. Intimidating to women, emasculating to men, delicious to everyone. Let the strange new fruit awaken tasty frustrations you thought were long buried. Bananas! My mother used to send me to bed early when my uncles would call after supper. And by call I mean visit, and by uncles I mean significantly older gentlemen who always brought me candy that tasted like cooking wine. Well, I... I always thought I wanted to stay up late and sit in the parlor to find out what exactly the adults did after dark. Besides, play the Victrola loudly and jostle the sideboard, of course. But my dizzy thoughts would soon send me crashing to sleep. The sour-tasting sweets gone sticky on my nightstand. Well, after the ending of this latest episode of Bruff Taxwind's Sky Sailor, I feel just as I did as a child. I I won't go to sleep, though. I I can't go to sleep. I I have to find out what happens. I have... <gasps> I have to... Hey, Courtney? Did you put this... Did you, did you put this candy here? No? Oh. It must have been Uncle Forrester. He always brought the sweetest... <sighs> Sleepiest. Mm. But Uncle Forrester was burnt to death in that horrible cable car fire. No, no, I mustn't stay awake when Uncle Forrester visits. No, I, I mustn't, Courtney. Did you, did you see him? Was he, was he angry? <clears throat> <clears throat> Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wertner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Bruff Tax Wins Sky Sailor Story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Wertner as lead story editor. This episode written and edited by Mr. Kane, featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And finally, another note to my bookie, Fred, who knew that damn horse would pull up lame. Wish I could have shot her myself. Just a few more days is all I need. Don't worry, your old pal the announcer is good for it. <coughs> Courtney, Courtney, can you can you get my, my CPAP machine, please? Yeah, it's this sleep apnea. I can't sleep I, I can't sleep without it. Thank you. Yeah. No, just make sure there's water in there for the humidification. I dry out at night. Yeah. All right. Oh, hello. Have you tried, friends, Oshaline motor fuel? Oshaline, manufactured by the Four Patrol Corporation, is the only high-octane motor fuel made from distilled seaweed. 
when I'm driving to the movie set and I notice that I need motor fuel, I stop at my neighborhood Oshaline station and get my tank filled with that good stuff. Oh, hello, Mr. Oshaline man. I did not see you there. Are you here to enlighten us further? Yes, that's right. Oshaline, that high-octane motor fuel made from distilled seaweed, is the only motor fuel of its kind made with kelpinate. It's guaranteed to give you more miles per dollar, so try Oshaline with kelpinate today. That is what I'm here for, Mr. Oshaline man. Give my car what it is craving. Fill her up with Oshaline with kelpinate. Yeah.